Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We've been telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all across the world since 2015, and we have over a thousand years of living with T1D on the podcast. The interviews range from incredible feats to everyday victories, and we celebrate them all just the same. Thanks for listening, and if you want to get involved even further, just send me an email at rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics from all across the world. Uh, And my very special guest today, I'm super excited to finally have her on the podcast. Uh, We've been very sort of ships in the night over the years on the the type 1 uh, diabetes online community. Wow, I'm having trouble speaking this evening. Uh, Christelle Oram, welcome to the show, Christelle. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, uh, I have as well. I'm super excited that we were able to find the time so quickly. Uh, Christelle, you are obviously uh, the power behind the Diabetes Strong community and uh, and DiabetesStrong.com. I'm really excited to hear about all of that. But uh, more importantly for me, and I think where we can all just uh, sort of find ourselves on equal playing ground an equal footing diagnosis and kind of where those things mm-hmm. uh, we all sort of find those relatable stories. And I'm really excited for yours because not only uh, do we get to hear about you, but also uh, the the story of being diagnosed overseas as well always, I think, resonates with different people. So uh, with that, I'll turn it over to you. Let's get started. All righty. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's actually sort of side note I feel like a lot of times when you meet other people living diabetes the first thing is like so how long have you been living with diabetes you know how was it diagnosed so I think that's a definitely the the introduction um thing to talk about so I was diagnosed in 97 so that's just over 20 years ago um and I was 19 years old at that time it was it's whenever I talk about it it's always well it's kind of dual because I was diagnosed by my primary care uh, physician, so my family doctor, and it was kind. Of, it was one of those situations where I did not think anything was wrong, right? I, despite showing all the traditional symptoms of type one diabetes, I mean, I slept a lot. I would. It was in December, and I was kind of falling asleep at family events, and my family started to notice. And I, I have big family of. A lot of nurses and doctors and they're like this is weird you know this is not normal i wasn't stick thin but i was you know definitely lean despite eating a box of ice cream every night which was <laughs> awesome yeah <laughs> i really like sweets um but of course that's not normal either but i didn't really think about it you know i drank a ton of water um but being deadly tired all the time definitely bothered me i would fall asleep at work which was of course not optimal. I, I, I worked in a preschool at that point. So yeah, not optimal. Anyway, I went to my family doctor and he kind of just talked, you know, about general nutrition. Again, I was 19. I was partying quite a bit. So that could be it. Right. So he's like, okay, you need to take care of yourself, but let's just take a blood sugar. 
measure your blood sugar. So he did that in the office and he was like, okay, so you have diabetes. The way I remember it, he basically said that and sent me home. I had never heard about diabetes before. Well, I probably heard about it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know anybody. So that part of it was, I always want to call it traumatic. I mean, I was in this, for those who don't know me, I, I was born and raised in Denmark. Denmark, everybody's on their bicycles all the time. So I got on my bicycle to go home, uh, to drive home. And I just remember that drive home. And it's not more than like 10 minutes. I remember thinking, oh my God, I'm going to die. I just been handed a death sentence. Um, not knowing, just being completely confused. Um, and this is sort of the time before cell phones. <laughs> so I didn't just, you know, call home or call a friend. Um, I had that 10 minutes driving home thinking, oh my God, I'm going to die. Uh, or just not knowing. Um, and I get home. So my mom is a nurse and she knew a little bit more about diabetes than I do. And first of all, she, she was kicking herself for not seeing the symptoms, but she also sort of calmed me down by like, you know, no, this is not death and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so that was kind of a, the first part of my diagnosis. The second one was then when I went to something called Steno Diabetes Center. So Steno Diabetes Center is one of the premier um, diabetes centers in Denmark. Um, and my mom and I went there. And the way I remember it, it, we actually didn't go for a few days, which still blows my mind that you would send home somebody with type 1 and not. Anyway, long story. <laughs> Uh, they must have felt that I was safe. And my mom and I came to the to Steno, and I was 19, so I was actually, you know, assigned a pediatric nurse. And I remember this because this is this is so important. This her name was Lauda. I remember her name. I remember what she looks like. And she sat me down. She's like, you know what? This is a major. I mean, it sucks. You've been diagnosed with diabetes. However. This should never, don't let this ever stand in your way from doing all the things that you want. And that was so powerful and something I've taken with me. Um, back then I had, I had, I had, a, in 98, I had a trip planned where I was going to go backpacking around India because oh, wow. that's what I wanted to do. And she's like, you're going. So within a year of my diagnosis, I went again, time before <laughs> Uh, cell phones and all that good stuff. So all my, of course, everything went wrong. Um, and my <laughs> insulin got ruined, uh, spoiled, and everything was well a little chaotic. Um, so she and I were communicating per fax. Those who don't know what fax is, that basically means you put a piece of paper in a machine and it'll sort of send that, you know, across the world. Wow! But it all worked out. It all worked out, and that's kind of that's really one of the things that I've taken with me that I had a lot of by my side for another year, I think, until I turned 20 and they moved me to the adult, the adult um, section of the hospital, I guess. Um, but she, she was always like, you go do, you know, go do what you want. We have the tools. So. Yeah. And I think, go. I think that's super important. I mean, go and do it. Even <laughs> if you have to send a fax or even if you, even if you your insulin gets ruined, I mean, I think mm -hmm. I think all of those things are important because if you don't, you'll never know. Um, and I think I cannot recommend traveling enough to people, not just not just people who are type one, but people who aren't, because I think mm -hmm. you get exposed to things that otherwise you just read about or maybe never read about. And I yep. think when you're exposed to them, you get to learn things about yourself 
that you otherwise wouldn't know and you can't quantify how important that is or how valuable that is to a person. Um, so I'm really glad to hear you say that. I'm also really glad because right now, I think especially in the diabetes online community, the conversations around DKA and mm-hmm. um, and sort of the you know unawareness of, yeah, you know, I was tired or I was urinating a lot or I was losing weight. Like those seem like normal things on their own, but when they're all together, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they can be catastrophic relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad to hear you sort of highlight that that was your experience as well. Um, you know, for you in those moments, what do you remember about those diagnoses? And I think we talked about this before we jumped on the uh, jumped on the air, the quote unquote air. You know, this is really just like a DVR <laughs> to radio show, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, before we jumped on, we talked about you know, the importance of the rhetoric and the conversations from, from doctors, when you got that relationship and you had that conversation, like, I'm going to go do these things. How important was that Mm -hmm. to the first few years of you living with type one? I think it sets a tone, right? If you're told up front, ah, you know what, this is going to, this is going to pull you down. This is going to be, this is going to be a burden. This is going to stand in your way from doing many things. You might believe that, right? Um, and if you're a person who tend to believe that anyway, it's just going to be amplified by an authority sitting there in front of you telling it. Right. Right. So, I mean, I lucked out that I was, that Lada was the one who would put in front of me. I think quite honestly, I'm not really the person to, to just sit and weep, um, either. So, so, I mean, that, that definitely plays into that story as well, but I think, having the the support and having somebody who believes that this should not stand in your way is, is instrumental really it's, especially if you're diagnosed pretty young um because it sets the tone for for everything right um actually it doesn't matter when you're diagnosed young or old i think it still sets the tone 100 percent. and i think you know in that sort of young or old context you know, you mentioned you, you know, now at 2018, you know, over 20 years living with type one, mm-hmm. kind of what's going through your mind and what are you thinking when you think back on the last 20 years and you think t- forward towards the next 20, you know, yeah. what, what do you think about your life with type one, um, you know, as it relates to time, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, checking those things off the list, young and old, um, you know, as you kind of go forward, what crosses your mind? Well, I think a lot of the tools that we have now, I mean, I have my, I, I wear a CGM, the amount of data that I'm getting and, and just how much I've learned about myself throughout the years um, makes the one, the way I approach managing my diabetes today is completely different from what I did just five or, or two years ago for that matter, because my opinion is kind of, well, I keep learning and I keep adding to my tool, my diabetes toolbox. Um, and the tools are just getting better and better. Um, so it's definitely, it's good and bad actually, because I started with a CGM, I think five years ago and I wore it religiously for a year and it became so, it's so, it took over my life (laughs) and it became so time consuming and I would look at it and I would overreact, I would overcorrect. It was a mess and I ended up taking it off for a whole year. 
because I think all this technology is excellent, but it can also be so overwhelming that we end up, you know, being quote unquote diabetic 24 seven. And yes, we are, but I don't, my personal belief is that we don't, we shouldn't have to think about it every second or analyze or whatever. Some things should be able to just like go in the background. Um, so that's when I say good or bad, but I think mainly it is all the information I have now. I have, that has, especially when it comes to exercise, because that's what I do, right? Um, just knowing so much about, well, what's going on in the body, knowing my own formula for how my body reacts to different things has made given me a confidence and has made my life easier living with diabetes. And that's been, that's something that's developed over years and it's hopefully going to continue to develop, right? Um, I would also say going back to that India trip, Back then when I said all my insulin was ruined, I had those long acting insulin that you had to mix. So it was like there was right. a little ball in the in the in the mixture and you sort of had to mix the the insulin crystals, I guess. And apparently that type of insulin doesn't really do well with fluctuations in temperature as well as being shaken. And I, I went on like a camel trek through Rajasthan or something because I was 19 and that's what I was doing. Right. Um, so all that insulin got ruined, right? So the newer insulins are just more robust and it, it in general, I, I do think it's become easier, but I also think that as we get older, as we live longer and longer with diabetes, it never becomes easy, but it becomes easier. Agreed. I, and I think, you know, we're going to talk about fitness in, in at length uh, because that's, mm -hmm. you know, who you are and, and kind of a, where you position yourself now and in, in this journey in your life. But I do want to focus a little bit on, I think, technology as a double-edged sword because I agree with you. It's been, you know, awesome recently to to get on the CGM and to be able to track your your life with with diabetes a little bit more modern right mm -hmm. a little bit more rigorously but also that has can can have negative consequences right with yeah. too many people looking in or too much control or really living and dying by you know your your everyday number mm -hmm. um how do you how do you address those things with yourself and then also with the people you communicate with and in the community and, yeah. and the conversations that you have how do you address the the need to you know, be gentle with yourself, but also, you know, rely on some of that technology and, and take those different things into account. Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't share my data with anybody. I shared it with my husband for half a day and <laughs> managed to stress him out so badly that he was like, can we please take it off? Mainly because he's like, I love that. well, the ex I want to give you the example of say, why, why, why we decided to take it off again. I just wanted to share it with him because I wanted to see what it looked like on his phone. I actually didn't want him to have the data. I just wanted to see. Uh, I was curious. So I shared and then I went for a walk and I didn't reduce my insulin enough for that walk. So I went low. So I sat in, a, so I texted him in from the park saying, hey, you know what? I'm going low. I'm just going to sit here on the bench and pop a few glucose taps and then I'm going to go home. He's like, okay, no problem. And you know, the CGM lacks a little bit, right? So it kept alarming him because it takes a little bit of time for blood sugars to come up. So it kept alarming him, going like, she's low, she's low. No, she's urgent low. No. And you know the way that the CGM can almost, I, I call it scream at you. So he was sitting at home getting all these 
aggressive warnings. And he, in his mind, of course, knows that I'm okay because I just texted him. And he could, he ended up calling me. He's like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I tested and my blood sugars are on their way up. So I'm, I'm fine. But that was, that was a little intense for him. Poor guy. So we kind of took it off again. <laughs> so so that was that was not as good of an experience as it could be. The way that I manage it is that I had that one year where I I would almost say didn't use it right. And again, overreacting, chasing highs and lows at any time. Um, so what I've learned is that technology is great, but technology doesn't necessarily know me. There is a 10 minutes delay as well. Right. Uh, or five or ten minutes delay on on the on the CTM. So what I do is, I don't. If I have an arrow down, for example, on my on my CTM, but I'm still within the range that I'm comfortable being in, I don't react because I need to see what happens. I need to be. In the sense that, let's say I'm at 100, I have an error down. It's like, that's fine. I could be at 90 with a straight arrow in 10 minutes. Right. Right? So I I work with a lot of people. I interact with a lot of people who see the arrow down and they start popping glucose tabs on. I'm like, well, okay, you probably don't need them. So that's what I mean about overreacting to the data is that the, the data doesn't necessarily, let's say that you go for a walk and you start dropping your, during your walk. When you're done with your walk, you sit down, you hang out on the couch, your sugars might level out by themselves, right? So you don't necessarily need to treat because there's nothing to treat. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I, I think it does. I think the, you, you know, it all comes down to whether it's technology or, or, or just sort of or exercise it all comes down to knowing yourself and listening to mm-hmm. your to your body and, and having that experience I think um, experience is kind of what I wanted to focus on because whether it's diabetes or it's exercise or it's CGM or it's uh, you know testing your blood sugar or it's you know worrying about you know whether you feel like you're going low or whether mm-hmm. you've overdosed for carbs or whatever the case is it all comes down to experience. And with that, you know, how do you, you know, especially in the fitness world where there are so many people who are, you know, snake oil salespeople (laughs) or, you know, there's the 2018 quick fix culture where everybody wants to look at the destination without taking the journey into account. How how do you think, I want to talk about base level. So like, how do you think the base, uh, people with, with diabetes base level of fitness knowledge compares to a person without diabetes base level of fitness knowledge. Are those both the same? Are we all the same? Do we all have about the relative same level of knowledge? Or do you think people with diabetes have, have more have more knowledge than people without? So, yeah, I've been thinking about that. I, I actually, I think it's about the same, to be honest. I think there's so much information out there. There's so much information available if you... Google how to lose weight, for example, or how to get stronger, you'll get a trillion hits and it'll all say, hey, I have the solution. If you just only eat pineapples every day, you'll, you'll reach your goals. Or if you only do this, you'll reach your goals. Or if you do a handstand every day. I mean, it's, I think 
based on a little bit what you said as well, there's so many quick fixes. And it's, I think it is very tempting for anybody living with diabetes or not to believe in quick fixes. Yeah. Because we all want results yesterday. Um, so I actually think that sort of the general population, it, it's, it's probably the same. Everybody's confused. Um, also because we see, we see some authorities once in a while, like Dr. Oz for that matter, going out and saying, this is the, this is the Holy grail. This is the way to do things. Right. Um, and people want to believe and I get it. So it, it's really hard. I think, you know, the way to weed out the snake oils and the supplement salespeople and all that is to, well, simply realize and accept that there's no quick fix. There are lifestyle changes and there's effort. And just as, you know, if you want to gain strength, well, that's going to take time. It's going to require you to actually put in some, some energy. If you want to lean out, well, same thing. It's going to require some, some energy to do that. And, well, I think too sucky, well, but that's the way it is. Yeah, and I think people's, you know, accepting that I, everybody comes to that realization at different points in their life, and I think that's why it's. I, I think I'm such a big advocate of of people playing sports and people putting their children into sports early because yeah. you learn so quickly how to fail and what it's like to lose. And, you know, that is just a very big lesson and a very important lesson that if you don't learn early, I think it, it can form you into a lifestyle of fear-based decisions because you're afraid of, you know, what happens if I don't get this the first time? Or what happens if this doesn't work out for me right away? Yeah. And especially, I think, with, um, you know, fitness or, um, you know, health or, or exercise-based decisions, like... That is a lifelong journey. Nobody gets to their, you know, goal figure or goal weight or goal vertical leap overnight. Mm -hmm. It takes yep. day in and day out and day in and day out effort. Yep. Um, but it's also, <clears throat> it also often comes down to, excuse me, <clears throat> what makes people want to make those changes, right? What is the, what is the event that makes people want to change or make changes to their lifestyle? And often it is, sometimes it's driven by fear, which is not something I really believe in. It's if you don't do something about your health right now, you're going to have a heart attack or the doctor looks at you going, if you don't do anything right now about your diabetes management, you'll have like a lot of complications later in life. And it's, it's, it doesn't work. Um, but uh, some of the other ones are, well, there's a wedding in two months and all the other bridesmaids, bridesmaids look like runway models or there's something else coming up right um so i think often the things that come up are in very short time so again back to the wedding or the holiday or something else coming up and all of a sudden people are like oh my god i need to be in in you know model shape right. in two months and like that's probably not gonna happen but um you know let's set you on the path down health instead but it's 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 a hard pill, pill to swallow i think i think it is people. and it can't be for me as well i mean sometimes i wake up and go like i really want bigger biceps like now why you know 
Oh yeah, and I—I I mean, <laughs> it's I, annoying. <laughs> I feel the same way. Like if I—if somebody snaps a picture of me and I'm maybe slouching or don't have the best posture, or I'm just like, oh, is that really what I look like? I better, you know, attack yeah. this next time I go in the gym. And I think, you know, with the explosion of fitness in the last, you know, 20 years and especially on social media in the last five to 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, we're beat over the head with this idea of perfection and these, you know, amazing, yeah. you know, people with amazing physiques, you know, I think yourself included. I mean, how do you, how do you, how would you tell someone who, you know, with or without type one, but, you know, because this podcast is focused on people with diabetes. Mm-hmm. How can someone tell if the information that they're getting, um, you know, curated as it is on social media, how, do, how can they tell that if it's good, a good uh, mm-hmm. and based on science and B, is it safe for them uh, with, to do with type one? Yeah, it's pretty much impossible, to be honest. I mean, if you Instagram is is a is a picture and everybody or most people at least are using filters, etc. Um, and it's, it's not, it's not, it's not necessarily reality. Right. I mean, we, we try some of us, you and I, we try, we try to be as real as possible, but still, you know, I, I can't tell my whole life story on, on Instagram either. Um, it's hard. So I think, first of all, you need to, well, put your thinking cap on and say, okay, does this sound does this sound reasonable? Right. It, is this another promise of if you just again go back to the pineapple, eat pineapples every day, then your insulin sensitivity is going to be amazing. I mean, does that sound reasonable? I mean, to me, it doesn't. But it, it's what you can do, of course, is you can always go out and research and say, is this founded in science? Right. Um, most people don't do that, right? Most people look at the glossy pictures and then they base their decisions on that. So I think for any young or old who looks at social media, you need to accept that social media often is not 100% reality. A lot of people, if they're trying to sell you something, look at what they're trying to sell you. What is their probably also what is their background and why are they trying to sell you this? Um, because I just, if I find that there are a lot of, like I was just quoted Healthline on, they asked me, okay, what about these raspberry ketones? Can they make, you know, can they make you drop weight and can they make us go into ketosis and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, it's a fancy marketing scheme for something that's actually a flavor. <laughs> I right. mean, it's if it's too good to be true, it is. It usually is. Yeah, if it's not. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's something that I learned early on. You know, from my parents, it's like if it sounds too good to be true, it probably mm-hmm. is. If it sounds too yeah. easy, it's probably you know. If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, <laughs> it's probably a duck, right? Yeah, but I mean, again, I have people um, in my my Facebook community who post about. Well, they're really happy with doing something. Sure. You know, whether or not that is a supplement or whatever. And the way I usually comment on it is saying, that's great. Great that you, it works for you. And if you like the taste of this supplement, fantastic. Just know 
for the most part, these, these, these supplements do not have any scientific backing, meaning that nobody has been able to replicate the claims that these manufacturers have in a clinical setting. But with that information, you know, as long as it, it's not something that's going to kill you, you know, knock yourself out. So I think it's just, I think people like me and other people who are within the industry of, of fitness and who are, you know, some sort of authority within certain communities, it's our responsibility to also go out once in a while and say, hey, great if it works for you, but please know there's no significant, uh, no scientific backing for this. Right. I mean, you can eat all the salmon you want. It's not going to cure your diabetes. It really isn't. <laughs> but if you like the taste, sure. Actually, don't eat too much because that's not healthy either. Oh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's funny. poison you. So, um, yeah. I, uh, when I was younger, I guess I was probably 22. My first job uh, at this time, I was an intern there, was at USA Boxing, um, mm -hmm. the national governing body for Olympic boxing in the U.S. And so... It was sort of my dream job was to work in the Olympic sports world at the time. And, you know, it was a great experience for me. And at one point we had an event, the Olympic trials for the 2012 Olympic team, which is actually the summer before when 2011. So um, I believe it was August 2011 in Mobile, Alabama. And our mm -hmm. special guest was a Olympic uh, bronze medalist and... Uh, world heavyweight world champion Evander Holyfield, and he uh, he was there at the at the event, and he had to get picked up from the airport and needed someone to go around with him. So I, of course, was like, "Yes, I want to volunteer. I want to like be his like chauffeur and valet, basically for the weekend." And so I got to spend a lot of time with him. And I asked him, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, at what point, you know, what was he doing for some of his training? And one of the things he told me throughout the day was you know, everything in moderation. He's like, if you drink too much water, you can drown, you know? Yeah. So you kind of have to take everything with a grain of salt. He's like, so people throw, oh, well, you need to do this and this and this and this. And he's like, well, if you commit too much to one particular thing, you know, and for, you know, diabetes, like insulin is great for us. It, it controls our blood sugar. But if you take too much, you could die. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everything in moderation, you got to make sure that you're doing all of your research. Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. Um, and, and with that, I think a lot of people, you know, in the fitness realm, especially, and I'm glad that you mentioned uh, your Facebook group, because I think social media is a great resource for people to, to reach out for advice and for, especially with diabetes, because typically you get advice from your doctor. And if you're a young person, typically your parents. And I think it's nice to have those middle ground of people who are uh, functional experts, people living with diabetes, and you can ask those questions. And for me, yeah. with uh, my background in basketball, I get a lot of questions that are fitness related. And I'm sure mm -hmm. uh, with you, I mean, in Diabetes Strong, you get thousands of questions about type 1 and fitness. Um, mm -hmm. What are the most common questions that you get and answer uh, around T1D and fitness? Um, there's, there's definitely two. There's two that always stand out. One is how do I not go low during cardio or how do I manage blood sugars in general during exercise? Because it's complex, yep. especially if you don't know the basics. And the, the second one is how do I lose weight with diabetes? Those are the two most asked questions. Um, and just, I mean, actually based on that, I have dedicated guides to that on diabetes strong. So I have a guide section saying, okay, this is your guide to doing that because I get those questions all the time. 
and it's it's actually it's two questions that I can answer. So it's about and and all, my my goal my goal here in life is to empower people to go out and be happy and healthy living with diabetes, because again to quote Lauder we can do whatever we want to do as long as we have the right information the right tools and we're willing to put in the work. It's not you know this everybody who's listening to this probably know this is this is not an easy disease to live with or to manage right because we have to be and we don't have full information you really do when people tell me oh diabetes is random like no it's not random we just don't have full information sometimes in the sense that we don't know everything that's going on in our bodies right uh we have parts of information (laughs) we might know our blood sugars we might know what we ate we might know you know do we feel okay or we stressed out but generally we don't have 100 percent information um, but yeah, those two questions are, are the ones that are raised the most. And it's, it's also, especially the one to how to lose weight with diabetes. People won't, don't necessarily believe me. Um, because my approach to that is the way they use weight with diabetes is the way if you want to lose fat, it's the same way as if you do not have diabetes, right? You need to, you know, you need to move and you need to eat in a way that allows your body to drop the body fat. And I think, you know, what is it about that question? I mean, I think people are so focused and there's so much, and I, and I won't even go into like the media's perception of, you know, uh, body image and things like that. Mm-hmm. But what is it about the, the hard, the hard thing about hard things, right? Like lo- losing yeah. weight and changing your lifestyle is not an easy thing to do and often is not that much fun. And I think there's a lot of hard work. What is it about, what is it about people looking for that quick fix what, and, and looking at that like, oh no, I have to move and, and work out and wake up early and eat foods that I don't necessarily like to eat sometimes, even though I think, you know, me personally, I would love to eat, you know, salmon and, and lean meat and, uh, and chicken and vegetables all the time. It's, it's great for me, but for some people, you know, they don't want to do that. What is it about those responses, and how do, how do you respond to those when you when you hear them? Um, well, at first, I want to point out that if I could just, if my body allowed it, and if it was healthy, I would eat carrot cake for every meal, and that would be the only thing I would eat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just want to say that. Yeah, like, front, that, that doesn't doesn't really fit with my goals or sort of my 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 goals for my overall health. Um, but it's it depends, you know, if it's somebody. Actually, there was a woman who asked that in one in my group um, not that long ago. She's like, "I don't enjoy this. How do you guys enjoy it? You know, exercising." First of all, and, man, what an honest answer, or, or what an honest question. I think I think yeah. a, a very like that's that that takes a lot of strength. Okay, continue. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a great, and people are weighing in. I mean, people are very supportive. Um, that's the power of peer support, really. Um, but my response to it is. Everything at first is not going to be fun. Not everything. Most things won't be fun up front. It's the same thing. Um, so, like running. I always use running because, at least for me, you know, running the first few runs are awful. And you can, especially if you don't have music in your ears, you can hear yourself. You sound like you're dying. And, and it's just, for me, generally unpleasant. Um, but then it gets easier. 
as your body starts becoming like, oh, this is what we're doing, your body starts understanding the, you know, functionality, so to say, of running, and you get in better shape, and it becomes more enjoyable, but you need to get over that hump. And most people don't like to be uncomfortable, right? Which I get, but that means that they, they stop before they come over the hump. So back to, okay, how do we solve this? Well, what I often tell people um, is that find something you enjoy. It doesn't have to be running. Um, my example is always, I really wanted to get into spinning. My mom loves it. I have several girlfriends who spin and they love it and they keep telling me how fantastic it is. So I was like, okay, I need to try this. Um, and I gave it an honest try. I think I went to eight different spinning classes and I hated it. Every second of it. I thought it was awful. Um, so after they talked to like, okay, I tried this. This is not my cup of tea. I'm not going to do that again. What I do is I do all sorts of other stuff, right? So what I tell people is, you know, figure out what it is for you. It might be basketball, you know, well, go play basketball, right? It doesn't have to be running or spinning or dancing. And if you're uncomfortable, you know, exercising in front of others, do it in your home. It doesn't have to be in a gym. It doesn't have to be in a class. There are so many options. It's just that um, some people kind of get stuck in the, well, exercise means I have to put on gym clothes, tight spandex, and be in the gym. No. It can be whatever you think is fun and whatever, you know, makes you happy. So if that's just moving to music at home, then, you know, do that. And then all of a sudden you might want to go for a run. That's fine. But it's also about progression. It's about starting somewhere. Um, so, but it's the the initial hump can be hard to get over. Yeah. And I think, you know, people underestimate the value of incremental progress. Um, mm, just getting sure. a little bit better at doing those things every day. Um, yeah. And it's boring and it's hard to look back, you know, at doing a little bit extra every day whether that's dancing to music at your house or going to a spin class uh, and you mm -hmm. look back six months from now after going just a little bit every day and seeing the progress you make, um, yeah. you know, you got to celebrate those wins too. I think, you know, part of tracking and part of success is tracking where you've been and, mm -hmm. you know, if you got to make sure to do that for you. Yeah. I, I know you mentioned the guides and I definitely want to link to those in the show notes um, of this episode. You know, how do you approach the, the those two questions? Um, you know, in in whether that's preparation for you know overcoming lows while doing cardio or exercise, mm -hmm. um, you know, or and I think we've already covered you know the weight loss question. But yeah. you know, how do you prepare for a cardio workout maybe versus a high intensity weight training workout? Yeah, I think really important is to first understand that aerobic exercise, which would be a cardio session where your heart rate goes up and stays up, impacts blood sugar significantly different than anaerobic exercise. Anaerobic means that your heart rate comes up, comes down, up and down, up and down. So if you kind of imagine those two sort of heart rate profiles, so the first one might be, you know, cardio might be going for a run or a bike ride or dance class or whatever. Well, the anaerobic might be, you know, strength training, it might be your CrossFit class or if you do, if you like to do sprints, so that might be it. So there's basically two different kinds of exercise and understanding that aerobic exercise for the most part will make blood sugars drop while anaerobic can actually make your blood sugars increase during the exercise. Just having that knowledge, I'm going over it very quickly, 
But just having that base knowledge means that you can start thinking about, well, which kind of strategies do I need to implement in order to be not go high or low and not have my sugars go high or low during and after exercise? So I always say, you know, I remember being taught. I remember coming to my doctors and they didn't do do a good job, I guess, but saying, hey, I'm going low when I go bike riding. What's up with that? And they're like, here's a pamphlet. And the pamphlet said, eat 15 grams of carbs. I'm like, great. So I'm just going to stuff my face. So what I what I, I always say, there's two levers. Yes, we can eat more carbohydrates, but that's only one lever. The other lever is we can lower our insulin if we tend to go low, or we can, you know, increase our insulin if we tend to go high, right? And for some reason, that link has not been made for a lot of people. They only think we have the the carbohydrate liver. And I think that's a fundamental flaw in how diabetes management is taught by, I guess, our general sort of medical medical society. There's also, to that point, there's also only just been published a paper within the last year about how to manage um, type one diabetes um, during exercise. So. I'm giving the whole medical society a break here in the sense that they haven't had anything to refer to. Right. Um, but anyway, so the way I pre- prepare is, let's say I want to go for, you know, bike ride in the afternoon. I'll walk. Walk is cardio. Well, I'll have to make sure that I don't have a lot of insulin on board from my fast acting. So I'm on MDI. So I'm an MDIer, <laughs> meaning I uh, I do pen therapy. I have my long acting and my fast acting. So in an afternoon, the only thing I can vary is my my fast acting, my boluses, right? So I just need to make sure that I reduce whatever meal time or correction boluses I take the four hours before my walk. I know that's a lot of planning, um, in order to not go low. And if I all of a sudden want to go out and I know that I have more insulin on board than what will keep me level during my walk, I'll have to eat some carbohydrates. So that's kind of like very basic of it. As for me and uh, interval uh, and um, anaerobic training, so I do a lot of resistance training, that's kind of my thing. Um, what I do is I always eat before that because I believe in you know feeding the machine and I want enough energy to actually go into the gym and be effective. So I eat and then for that meal, I'll just reduce my bolus to not go low. As I to the the listener who are paying attention, they're like, "Hey, didn't you just say that that can make your blood sugars increase?" True. Um, so what I do is I don't do as much of a reduction for my meal as I would if it was cardio, but I still do a little bit of reduction. So actually, having a little bit of insulin on board from that meal can help me prevent my blood sugars from going insanely high during the workout. So this is a little complicated to sort of try to explain um, on a, in a short time and like this, but if, if people want to see it visually, I'm visual. So I, I, I have some tables as well that kind of shows it stepwise saying, okay, if you are, if you've eaten, these are the general recommendations. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not allowed to give medical guidance. However, that paper I mentioned before, I can quote that. So that's what I'm doing. So that's what you'll find on the site. 
So there's a lot of general information on the site saying, I don't want to call it general. I want to call it, there's a lot of scientifically backed information on this site. But what I make sure to always do is make sure that you as a user can use it. Right. Right. Break, broken so, down into layman's terms. Yeah. And just, it's a step-by-step -step approach because again, as I said, up front, my, my goal with the website is to empower people. And I don't think you empower people just throwing <laughs> a lot of information at them. They can't use for anything. Right. Um, and then of course you'll find, you know, my own experience sprinkled in there again, but we're all different. Right. And I always tell we all different. I'm like, yes, we all different, but we also all move within the same patterns. So again, most people go low during cardio session. How much insulin you need on board in order to not go low will depend on you. It'll depend on your um, fitness level. It depends on the type of activity you're doing. It depends on your body fat. It depends on all sort of good things. So that's when it comes down to what I call finding your formula for exercise and diabetes management. Because you know that you're gonna drop, but you need to figure out how much. And I have some people who come to me and they're like, that's a lot of work, Christelle. I'm like, yep, right. <laughs> it is a lot of work. But if you put in the upfront work and figure out your formula, it's not that you're set for life because your formula is gonna evolve over time as right. you and change, change and we get older and our hormones change and our body fat changes and our other muscle muscle changes and all that. But it gives you a really good starting point. It gives you such a good starting point. I, I'm, at, I'm now at a point where I've been doing this for so long and I've been tweaking my formula for so long that, and I just realized that the other day I did, I did a long training session. Again, also because this is what I do. I think I did an hour and a half. I did not check my CGM once. Not once during those 90 minutes because I knew I was good. Right. I mean, I have that level of confidence now just because I put in the work. And that um, preparation, I think like the, the confidence is the result of the preparation. It's the reward oh, yeah. of the preparation. Oh yeah, it didn't. I mean, I it didn't just come to me. <laughs> right. Um, it, it's 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 it it does require work. It requires a lot of tracking, which works for me because that's in my personality. But that's also where I, I that's what I try and teach. I try to teach that method of okay, how do you get to it? How do you get to finding your formula? How do you get to collecting the right type of data and the right type of information to figure things out? A lot of people don't think about you know, insulin on board, meaning how much active insulin do they have in their body? They don't, they don't necessarily think about that. And I'm like, that's instrumental um, to knowing how your body is, whether how your blood sugar is going to react during exercise. Right. Because, you know, if you're not fasting, you're going to have fast acting, you know, insulin in your body. Right, and, and I mean, there's different and strategies said, depending on if you're pen therapy or if you're on pump therapy and all that. But and and you mentioned this as well. I think for you, you mentioned your insulin, um, your insulin on board rate or your active insulin time is four hours. That can mm -hmm. be different for someone else as well. So like digging into yeah. those numbers and that type of whatever type of therapy you're on, whether MDI or pump, all are factors. And I think I talked to someone recently who works with the diabetes research. Um, 
in in the diabetes research field, and they and they mentioned <laughs> diabetes as an experiment with too many inputs. <laughs> yeah. There's just so there's so many factors <clears throat> down <throat> to age and what you ate for breakfast and how much sleep you got the night before to what type of insulin you use like all of those things take into account and vary day to day that it's nearly impossible to formalize and standardize the experiment so you know controlling those factors by like you said you, you knowing your formula and mm-hmm. keeping track and tweaking it over time is the best way to yeah. you know get that confidence yeah. Um, well, I do. I do recommend that if people sort of want to dig in. So I even have like a, a worksheet on the website that's free for download is that people try and reduce as many variables as possible. Exactly to your point is that let's try and sort of isolate a few things here. Um, so what I usually say is if you can try and do the same kind of workouts for at the same time, um, try and eat fairly the same thing, just so we sort of get a feel for what's going on. Um, but well, and, I, and I think that's essential really, you know, taking it outside of even fitness is process mm-hmm. is essential and systems are essential for, you know, when, when things get difficult and when other variables mm-hmm. get introduced, because if you can take the thinking away and you know, okay, I, and, and, and know what your steps are, mm-hmm. you can at least control what you can control. Right, you control those yeah. variables to an extent, uh, and I am—I'm already making notes to myself to follow up with an email on some of the things that we've mm-hmm. talked about, because the show notes for this episode are going to be relatively extensive. I, I can already <laughs> tell. Um, kind of with that in mind, you recently released um, your ebook, "Fit with Diabetes." Yes. Which, first of all, congratulations. I know that uh, you know, yeah. just based looking at it was a tremendous effort. How did you approach that book differently than some of the other extensive blog content and, and programs that you've put out in the past? Yeah. Um, well, well, first of all, thank you for mentioning. Yeah, it's, it's my first ebook, so that's kind of like my baby. Um, so it's based on, a lot of it is based on, you know, I've done these Fit with Diabetes challenges, so that started... I think I've done five now, which is sort of online challenges where people follow a program for four weeks and they basically get articles, emails in their inbox every day. Um, so the last one we had was in, in January. So the ebook is kind of a, a write-up of all the experience and all the key elements of all those five challenges. So it's everything from, you know, goal setting to, well, how to lose weight with diabetes, because that's one of the questions that gets asked a lot to exactly how do you find your formula and what are some of the base knowledge that you need to know about um, aerobic, anaerobic exercise, all what I talked about before. Um, and what I then did is, is also include meal plans, include exercise plans, you know, including pictures of me exercising <laughs> so that you know how to do it. Um, but basically it's a comprehensive guide. It's primarily for, for type ones, um, because I do talk a lot about insulin. Um, so I guess I can also be for type twos who are insulin dependent, but it's a lot of focus on, okay, how can you successfully exercise and eat so that it fits your goals within the sort of the thinking about type one in, in the same time. Sound a little weird. Um, but it's, it's, basically 80 pages of hands-on advice and it's very much the same tone as I have on the website um, in the sense that it is always 
what are the problems, how do we solve them, how do I empower you to go out be successful for it by yourself. Right. Um, so right now that is again my first ebook, the the only one I really have. I haven't really decided if I'm going to write another one. Um, I've had some people in the type two community who are not necessarily on insulin reach out and say, hey, could you do one for us as well? So might do that. I don't know. It took a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's one of those things I I have to. Yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the things I struggle with as well is sort of the I, I don't know if there's a law about it, but it's sort of like content begats more content. It's just mm-hmm. you, you make something and then all of a sudden now you have to make more. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I really love the empowering, you know, aspect of doing what I do. So it's it's fun. It's It's not like it's a drag to do it at all. It's just only have so many hours in in a day right uh not to kind of put you on the spot with that but Mm -hmm. what what do you think is next for diabetes strong well i want to continue we want to we in the sense that i don't think i've given him any credit at all in this this podcast actually my husband and i run diabetes strong together so i should give just a little bit of credit uh so he's part of the the team um our our goal for diabetes strong is definitely to continue to grow to reach as many people as we can we want to be the go-to place for health and fitness and exercise for people living in diabetes and i'm not and that's that's been the goal for the site all the time it's not just for type ones it's for anybody um there's a lot of focus on insulin dependent diabetes but if you notice i i usually don't say type one type two i say insulin insulin dependent or not Right. Um, so the goal is to grow. We have around a quarter of a million visits a month right now. We want to grow to a million. If we could do that by the end of the year, that would be fantastic. I find that, you know, for every new person we reach, that, that's, that's a win. Every incremental people, a person that we reach that we can empower, that, that's definitely a win. Um, and just continue to be an inspiration for others to show people you know i have still people who come to me and say hey i can't exercise because i have diabetes it makes me so sad it makes me so sad so going from people saying hey i can't exercise to i thought i couldn't exercise but now i have the right knowledge to go and do and be successful and confident that i can is you can't see me right now i have a huge smile on my face because that just really makes me happy you know, um, giving people those tools. So I think you, we're still going to have that um, the the dot com, the diabetesstrong.com platform is still going to be the main platform. I mean, you can also find us on Instagram and on uh, Facebook, of course. Um, but the goal is to focus on growing the website and just continue also. So that's another thing. If you go to Diabetes Strong now, you'll see it's not just me posting anymore. It's more of a, it's more of a health website now. We have other voices there as well. Right. Well, first of all, you get tired of listening to me, <laughs> um, and I, I'm, I can only pro- provide my perspective, right, and my way of seeing the world. And I think kind of always back to what you were talking about before about traveling. It's good to have other perspectives. It's good to have other voices. So people from other walks of life or who have other experiences are also on our site and giving their given their like two cents of different things. 
Um, also, we're going to be creating more guides. So as I said, we already have the how to lose um, weight with diabetes. We have how to exercise or how to find your formula with diabetes. I get a lot of questions about stuff like keto diets, which is not something I do. Um, and I honestly would not be able to, well, I would, but I didn't want to sit down and write a, a big guide about it. So somebody else is doing that for us and we're including on in the site because I basically, my belief is that you do you right. <laughs> in this sense that what works for me doesn't necessarily work for everybody else in the whole world, right? So I want to make sure that the site has a lot of different options for being healthy and happy. And that also goes back to exercise. Not everybody's going to be into resistance training just because I am. And I tell everybody it's fantastic. So I want to make sure that there are other, uh, other activities are represented as well. So we're going to go even broader and add more stuff. I love it. And I think, you. you know, uh, for me, you know, you mentioned, you know, needing more voices. I think that's something that I get spoiled with. Um, because that's my platform is entirely built on that, right? This entire podcast is built on other voices and, you know, my, my success is built on standing on the shoulders of giants, you know, the giants in this type one community, even, you know, because every voice matters. And I think every voice resonates with someone different. And I think that's so important. I'm so, I'm glad that you are, have been able to broaden that and find, you know, the voice that works for someone so that you can continue to perpetuate the idea of you do you. Mm-hmm. And that all of those inputs that go into diabetes and are a challenge, but is also an opportunity to bring yep. in other people to, to educate, to empower, to re- resonate with, to, to be relevant, to, to connect. And I think that's mm-hmm. super important. Um, I want to ask a fun question because I think this is, uh, you know, this is my podcast. I get to do what I want, right? I get to do- <laughs> um, if you could only do one exercise for the rest of your, of your days, what would it be and why? If you could only do one, what would it be? How long would I have to do it for? <laughs> yeah. That's that, that too. <laughs> um, only one exercise. It would probably be squatting or leg press which is kind of a form of squatting. I'm, I'm not, I'm actually not super good at squatting, but I, I'm one of those people. I like to go to the gym Again, I love resistance training. I think I've said that a trillion times now. Um, and what I like is I like to feel like I'm getting bang for my buck. And this is one of those major muscle groups working your whole lower body, your core, everything. And your heart rate goes through the roof. So actually any kind of a sort of like, like day is my favorite. But yeah, something like squat or like press for sure. And it gives you nice legs, nice strong legs. And your legs carry everything. Right, which no, nobody's going to be upset about, you, yourself <laughs> included, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, I love it. Um, I, I am a huge proponent of, of squats because my entire athletic career, I was never very good at them. And then I had a coach that was like, no, we're going to focus on this and we're going to get good at it. And it uh-huh. totally changed my athletic career it totally changed my athletic ability it totally changed my physicality and i'm forever grateful to that person for for making me do that also you know we talked earlier about nobody likes working on their weaknesses and that was a huge weakness of mine and Mm. um and it like i said i'm I'm super grateful kevin cronin shout out to you wherever you are my (laughs) friend um 
Okay, now uh, for for the question that I always ask all of my guests, um, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited. I think you know you've you've hinted at what this answer might be, um, but I'm I'm excited to hear your answer. So the context is important. Uh, imagine that you are in an airport at your gate, and they're about to close the door to your gate, but you run into someone who has either recently been diagnosed with insulin dependent diabetes i'm going to make it uh i'm going to i'm going to frame it around your uh your context because i I love that message and i want to make sure that you reach uh you know your audience with it as well um and they've either been recently diagnosed with insulin dependent diabetes or are struggling with it what's the one thing that you tell them in that 30 seconds before your gate closes and you got to jump on that flight so i would probably tell them let's say that it's a newly diagnosed saying and we talked about this earlier, it, it will get easier. It will never be easy, but it will get easier as you gain more information. And please know that living with diabetes does not mean that you can't do all the things that you dream of. It doesn't mean that you can't start a family. It doesn't mean that you can't travel the world. It doesn't mean that you can't be happy. If, if you want to do it, just go do safely. I think that would be it. Yeah, I love it. You do you, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. have to stop you. I love it. That's great. And I think that's, you know, in some ways, um, you know, that's the message that I want to make sure, however they get it, uh, that yeah. that everybody living with diabetes understands that they have in front of them, that it, it is their choice, that with the right preparation, that they can do whatever it is that they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a question about having the right preparation and the right tools. Obviously, we need our, you know, we need our insulin and we we need to be able to measure our blood sugars. Um, But what I often, I kind of have three pillars. What I say is there's nothing we can't do as long as we have access to the right medications, as I just said, the right knowledge and the right mindset. And what I work on on Diabetes Strong is, you know, the knowledge and the mindset part. And I think... I really truly believe that if you have those three pillars down, you're good to go. But mindset is also important. Oh, a hundred percent. I, you know, Christelle, thank you so much for, for not only taking the time out to do this awesome interview, uh, but for also being so (laughs) proactive in, in scheduling. And I appreciate, I know we've had a couple reschedules. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for being flexible and, to being the force that you are in this online diabetes uh, world. I appreciate you and, and your husband as well. Big shout out to him for all the work that you guys do. Oh, thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you for letting me chat for, for a full hour. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy to have you. I think, like I said, uh, my, my world is, is built on the stories and the experiences of my awesome guests. So, um, you know, thank you for, for being willing to chat. You got it. I'll do it anytime. And uh, like I said, I am going to send you a follow-up uh, with a big list so I can get all of the links together for my show notes. Um, I know uh, you you are on Instagram as Diabetes Strong IG. I know you also have Facebook groups, Facebook pages. Yep. Uh, you're all across the the social media web uh, and on you know diabetesstrong.com. Your ebook is Fit with Diabetes. Definitely go check that out. 
Um, and for anybody who else wants to get in touch with you in any other way, anything I missed, um, we will include that in the show notes. Sounds good. Thank uh, you. Yeah, you are welcome. And thanks so much again for the time. And I look forward to seeing uh, what's next for for Christelle and you and, and your husband and fit with diabetes and diabetes Great. strong.